I wasn't born and raised here. So I just had to be more creative in how I approach people and really train myself to get to the point. Either what help do I need, what level of information I was seeking, or try to build connection with people either virtually or in person as quickly as possible. If you're going to a country, learn its culture, whether you're from the US or to Puerto Rico, from Puerto Rico to work in Colombia, London, in New York, it doesn't really matter. I think it's important to understand your playing field, how people behave, what's important there, and, and getting to know people there, not just not assimilating people. Having said that, I actually think it's extremely important to not do that too much. This is The Language of Business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs. Anyone thinking about a startup, looking to do a post-pandemic pivot, find a new job or recruit new employees, learn strategies that work and strategies that don't work from experts who've been there and done that. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. In this episode, we look at immigrant success stories, a recent business school graduate from Taiwan who decided to stay in the U.S. and immediately built a real estate video business, and a startup from Puerto Rico finds success in New York. Here's Greg Steller. Thank you, Don. What would cause someone after they graduate from business school to remain in that country and then go on to found a startup? We're on location with Carrie Wu, who is the founder of Filmit.app, and welcome to the Language of Business. Hi, everyone. I'm Carrie Wu, co-founder of Filmit. I love the U.S. and I love the startup ecosystem here. Happy to be on the show with all of you today. Kerry, how long have you been in the United States? I relocated to the U.S. in 2015. That was when I started my Crestroom School of Business journey and got to know a lot of great professors like Greg, yourself, and some entrepreneurs in both the Boston metropolitan area and L.A. plus the Bay Area. And you're originally from Taiwan. Why the United States, and why a school like BU? Good question. I was a TV news reporter based in Taipei, Taiwan. Before I traveled around the world to talk to tech entrepreneurs, they were so inspiring that I started to think about myself doing some tech work as a product manager, talking to potential users or current users to understand the pain points I can solve for them. And then work with developers and designers to actually build a product. So I thought about which country will be the best one for me, and U.S. was just like top of my mind, <laughs> like no doubt. So I did my research on schools that support the startup journeys, and BU come on the top of my list. I wrote my startup proposal, got admitted to the MBA program, and also did my dual degree program. It was a collaboration between Crestrom School of Business and the College of Communication. And how long after you graduated did you decide to go off on your own and found Filmit? Right away, <laughs>、uh, people were surprised that really, like, you could have worked for consulting firms with your MBA. But the reason why I wanted to be here in the U.S. was because of the startup potential. So. I found my co-founders. We got into government competitions. We had good tractions and synergy working as a team. I immediately started my startup after graduation. And do you think that you should have worked for another company or gotten more experience as opposed to immediately launching your own 
firm? There's no right answer there. I would say there are pros and cons of doing <laughs> either. I feel like if I had to work for a company, for example, Fortune 500 companies, then I would learn more about how to scale a business. But I feel like because I was building a startup from zero to one, the experience I got from my internship working at a VC firm in Boston and also working at a virtual reality studio in LA, working alongside of VR godmother, Nani de la Penad. That got me a lot of exposure in how a startup works and got me enough connections for me to kickstart my startup. How do you think your bilingual and multicultural experience being from Taiwan has helped film it so far? Yeah, I thought about this question and the top things that I come up with was the resilience. Like a lot of things I wouldn't have encountered back in Taiwan, I encountered the challenges here. Like what? Like not having the right connections. Like as a TV news reporter, I can just call people in Taiwan, no matter what information I need. And I frequently got the answer the same day. Sure. In the US, I'm still like even today, building up my network in a much, much better position than say five years ago. But still, I wasn't born and raised here. So I just had to be more creative in how I approach people and really train myself to get to the point. Either what help do I need, what level of information I was seeking, or try to build connection with people either virtually or in person as quickly as possible. Back in Taiwan, I feel like it was more my comfort zone. Sure. And being here, I feel like I need to be very intentional in getting to the goal. The second thing is, I think it's more about like testing assumptions. Like Greg, you know, probably better than I do, like business school, we always talk about what's your thesis in building this startup. It's not about how perfect your idea is. It's about with that idea, what assumptions you make, and then how do you test those assumptions? So you can put some efforts into testing something at a smaller scale. And once you have success with that, you can devote even more resources and keep building that up. So with my different cultural background, I learned to not assume things just because of my own experience. Don't take things for granted. Always think back, okay, what are my thesis? What are my assumptions? And get myself ready in testing them out. Are there any aspects of the U.S. business environment that you absolutely can't stand? <laughs> um, not really. I mean... I love the startup ecosystem here, and that's why I came here. I will say the first thing that struck me hard when I joined in-person meeting back when I was interned, when I was still doing business school, a startup co-founder, like he sit in the meeting room and he just put his feet like on the table. And I was like, wow, people probably would not do that in Taiwan. But I don't see it as something negative. I feel like he was being so chill and it helped people just relax. Sometimes you want to be serious talking about business, but if you're more chill, people start to have better conversations. Sure. It's more about discussing how can we achieve together as a group versus a very serious business business talk. I definitely see merits of the more like layback culture. What future advice would you have for Taiwanese immigrants coming to the United States? My top recommendation is to get <laughs> by getting prepared. I mean, do your research. How would you set yourself up for success from day one? You can read things online. You can talk to people who have been through the journey. 
and ask them some tips for you to have the right mindset even before you relocate to the country. And after relocating to the country, I will put networking your top priority. We as humans, we all need each other to be successful. People connections will really get you far. And would that advice change for people in other locations besides Taiwan? I think it applies for every international. I feel like we all have our success in our home countries, and relocating itself it kind of isolates with our own connections. And no connection can be copied and passed from one country to another. Still, that would be my top recommendation for other internationals too. So, Carrie, how is Filmit doing so far? Filmit has been doing great. We started the idea last September and put down our first line of code in November. And today, we already have two beta customers. These are real estate firms who are excited about using Filmit to help real estate agents to create home listing videos, neighborhood videos, and agent introduction videos with just their phone. I'm so excited to be in this journey, helping them to push their sales and marketing. And are you self-funding the venture, or are you looking for angel or other outside funding? We are self-funded up to this moment, and my teams also want prices from NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technologies. The price monies, 100%, got contributed into Filmit. I'm very interested in talking to angel investors, especially investors who have experience helping media companies or. SaaS company. If any of you are interested, please email me, carrywood at filmit.net. And would you prefer investors from Taiwan, or don't you really care where the money comes from? I actually prefer investors from the United States. I mean, I am a Taiwanese American, but all my teams are Americans, and we are focusing in the market in the U.S. I think the investors in the U.S. will understand the business standards here better. And get good connections for my team, for other internationals too. Carrie, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. Carrie Wu, founder of Filmit.app, talking about immigrant success coming from Taiwan. Don, back to you. Thanks, Greg. Next up, a startup from Puerto Rico finds success in New York when the language of business continues. I didn't even realize what it meant to be in a top-tier business school until my first day. And I just really, for the first time, felt like I was in a place where everybody knew what was going on and everyone was incredibly driven to study this and perfect this field. And so I think being in a top business school really means that you are finding the barriers and the edges of the field and pushing them a little farther. And that's what Questrom has taught me over the past four years. Questrom's really helpful because you get to not only study the basics of business, such as accounting or marketing, but you really get to dive further in and to see applications of the health sector and how business applies to sustainability efforts around the world. They really want us to kind of focus it on four emerging areas, and those areas were healthcare, security, sustainability, and technology. Those are really where the jobs are going to be. They really want us to come out from the Questrom School of Business and be able to work in any area of the industry. Interested? Go to bu.edu slash Questrom. You're listening to The Language of Business. We heard from a business school graduate from Taiwan who decided to stay in the U.S. and immediately built a real estate video business. Now we'll hear from a Puerto Rico entrepreneur who built a successful startup in New York. Back to Greg Stoller for the story. Thank you, Don. If you are originally from a U.S. territory but doing business in the continental United States, are you still considered to be an immigrant? Or at the end of the day, does it really matter? 
We're on location with Daniel Ramirez Yunque and Bienvenido al Lenguaje de los Negocios. Welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you, Greg. It's funny because that's a really interesting question. I think every Puerto Rican actually struggles with this question because we grew up with our own culture in the island. We speak Spanish. We have our own customs, our own identity. We even have our own Olympic team and we recently like won a gold. Congratulations. I'm proud of that. From that sense, like we're very much our own culture, but because of historical uh, geopolitical events and because of how we're set up, we're actually part of the United States and we've been a part of the United States for a while. On that side, we're obviously citizens. So I would tell you that growing up in the island, it is very much its own cultural identity. So when you actually emigrate or, or go towards the United States, Obviously, we're, we're thankful that we don't have to go through a lot of the immigration processes that a lot of other folks have to go through. From that perspective, we're still stepping into a new culture, a new language, a new dynamic. So we do experience a lot of the things that I would say immigrants, specifically as it relates to like citizenship and all those other hurdles that other immigrants have to go through. So from that perspective, I would say yes, but no. I think culturally and, and custom-wise, yes, but from like an actual like paper document, no. So let's talk about the paper document for a second. You are the founder of Conjure, Conjure.co, which is based in New York. Does that have any bearing on anything we just talked about over the last two minutes? It would have been a lot more difficult. Don't get me wrong. Starting a company is hard. I think being an entrepreneur is extremely hard and sort of gut-wrenching, as everybody knows. And you, I think an immigrant entrepreneur is even harder, especially as you're dealing with like visa and like immigration related matters when you're starting a company. I think one of the huge benefits of Puerto Rico and probably the reason I'm here is because we do have that opportunity at the end of the day where we can actually travel and work in the United States without all like the hurdles that other cultures have to go through. So from that perspective, it seemed to me like it was an opportunity I had to take and I did. Having said that, it was still incredibly tough. I, we still go through all the other sides of being new in a city and starting a company and so forth. We're just not going through the immigration hurdle as well. As you are raising money, do you care whether the money comes from friends and family in Puerto Rico as opposed to the continental United States or even, I don't know, Europe? It's funny because fundraising is like this whole topic. <laughs> you know, any entrepreneur could spend hours talking about this. When we started, our first checks were actually family and friends. It's funny because I started business in New York but my seed, original seed capital, like the first dollars. Later, we eventually had proper angels from the US, micro funds and funds, and we're venture backed and so forth. But the first checks were friends and family from the island. People I grew up and went to high school with, which is really weird when you actually think about it, because like there's plenty of capital in New York. Sure. It's easier for me to raise from people that knew me. I had a track record with, had seen me like grow and evolve throughout my career, but they're trusting me that like, obviously a new person just meets you and you're starting a business in your city. Well, that, that's a lot harder. But are the expectations of people from the island going to be different than other expectations worldwide? I think people trust me. I think when you're starting a company, the trust goes back to the entrepreneur in the early days. Not, I think when, once you have something proven out, but in those early days, I think it goes back to the entrepreneur and your faith in their ability to execute. Just by coincidence of growing up there, having worked there for a while, I had a lot of people that had worked with me and seen me like execute. And from that perspective, put a lot of trust in me. That's the, the main difference. I don't know if their expectations are the same. Obviously, once you start raising out of professional investors, their expectations are very, very different from those of angels. So I don't know if I would distinguish between an angel from Puerto Rico towards an angel from anywhere else in the US. 
No, I would definitely distinguish a professional investor from all of the above because they're obviously much more focused on the business and scaling the business and like its eventual like return and risk reward profile. Since Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, why not incorporate there as opposed to in New York? I think at scale, at the end of the day, one of the reasons I came to live in the U.S. was because I wanted to have the scale that business has in the U.S., Puerto Rico is a landlocked island. Like there's ocean all around because of the physical like ocean barrier, as well as the cultural barrier. Sure. This is just works differently. Things work differently there. Not better or worse. And I'm not saying that. I just say it is different. Growing up in an island, like it was always my dream to go to the U.S. and build something and like do something there in a much larger market, I guess, in the main stage. And for me, New York was like a large city that sounds super cliche, but if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And right. I think something that's very ingrained in Puerto Ricans, I think the, especially the ones that, that grew up in the island is like, we grow up with this like David and Goliath concept very, very closely. Our artists, and you see like high exponents in arts, sure. Puerto Rico all the time, through sports, through business, through everywhere. We always feel like we got to kind of prove ourselves in this broader, larger playing field of the U.S. that kind of like calls the shots for us in a lot of ways. From that perspective, I always felt that it was up to me to just go up and do what I needed to do. And there's a way that I do it for myself, but there's another way that I do it because I know there's somebody in Puerto Rico that's maybe 10, 15 years my younger looks at me and says like, well, that guy did it. I can do it. And you kind of like pave this way for folks in the island as well. What one piece of advice would you give to immigrants from Puerto Rico trying to make it elsewhere, whether in the United States or some other country? It's twofold. And this is kind of like a contradictory piece of information because I'm going to say two opposite tips. Each one has its own stage. I think it's really, really important to learn the culture. I think learn how things work, where you're at and like the way things are done. You know, there's all sorts of business practices that don't translate well from Puerto Rico into the U.S., how you meet people, how you greet them versus like, are your meetings really, really efficient or are you trying to get to know the person deeply and develop a trust with them? That can create friction. So I, I would tell you, like, if you're going to a country, learn its culture, whether you're from the U.S. to work in Puerto Rico, from Puerto Rico to work in Colombia, London, in New York, it doesn't really matter. I think it's important to understand your playing field, how people behave, what's important there, and, and getting to know people there, not just not assimilating to the culture. Having said that, I actually think it's extremely important to not do that too much and still remain your like with your own identity, your like your own spark, call it, and not to like blend in too much. I think it's important to know your playing field, but not try to lose yourself in that and still remain the person that you are and have been, because I think that's also what makes you unique and gives you a lot of competitive advantages and ways of thinking that somebody that's just like in the market all their life might not see. It's like learn from where you're at, but also remember that by just by the fact of you coming from somewhere else, you're gaining a different perspective that people don't have. You have different angles, different ways of thinking about things. And I think that's one of the most powerful things you actually come to the table. And one of the reasons like a lot of immigrants have phenomenal business success is because they can see things differently in the same market. Daniel, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been a pleasure. Daniel Urera's Yunke, very successful Puerto Rican immigrant and the founder of Conjure.co. Don, back to you. Thanks, Greg. And that's our look at immigrant success stories. Support for the language of business is from Boston University Questrom School of Business. If you like the language of business, please subscribe. That way you won't have to go looking for new episodes. They'll come to you. Of course, it's free. And tell a friend. The language of business is available wherever you get podcasts. 
Our social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. Music by Randy Barth of Allsui Media. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Direction, audio editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, thanks for listening to The Language of Business.